Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And at this time, we have Lady Hyde playing on Tubi and several other streaming channels. We have, uh, I, Tubi actually picked up another film of mine from uh, about 10 years ago, a true crime film I did uh, called Mondo Sacramento 2. And that should be playing, I guess, maybe the next few months. takes a little time for them to upload it. So I would say maybe uh, June or July, hopefully, if not sooner. So check out, be on the lookout for Mondo Sacramento 2. And, uh, yeah, Lynn Lowry's in that, playing uh, Dorothea Puente. So check that out. It's a very fun film. And it's all uh, six true crime stories from the lurid past of Sacramento we do uh, the Galegos, we do Dorothea Puente, we do um, um, Storm and Norman, we do Tale of Two Drive-Ins, and a few other stories. So, uh, yeah, check that out. It's very fun. Oh, also Karen Greenlee. So. All right. Well, now we are on to episode 138, film 147, El Miron Le Exhibitionista. Uh, that is the voyeur and the exhibitionist. And uh, in case you've been listening to the past few episodes, there have been technical difficulties. And uh, I went ahead and re-recorded the last beginning of the episode. And hopefully from now on, this should be fixed. So if you uh, had those problems before, next time if you hear something sounds weird, please feel free to message me. Of course, on the uh, the, um, Franco Observer podcast page on Instagram or Facebook or drop us a line at the Franco Observer. I'm sorry, at Franco Observer at yahoo.com, and I'll always uh, reply. And I appreciate any technical merits or anything you can find that would help the podcast. So thanks a lot. All right. So before we go any further, we get all information for the making of and all this from the book Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume Two, by Mr. Stephen Thrower. All right, here we go. This is episode 138, film 147, El Miron, la Exhibitionista. That's the Spanish theatrical title for The Voyeur and the Exhibitionist, Spain, 1985, which, of course, is the pornography period of Jess Franco's career. Production company on this, Fairview Films out of Madrid. Theatrical distributor, Cuprotiva Cinematografía del Distribución. Uh, time, I murdered that. Timeline, uh, shooting date, circa October 1985, and it came out two months later in December 6, probably less than two months, uh, 1985. Played Barcelona February 17th of 1986, Madrid April 28th, 1986, and Seville May 23rd of 1986. Theatrical running time, an even 60 minutes out of Spain. And the DVD running time converted uh, on PAL DVD is only 56 minutes, 46 seconds. It's a short film. Very cool. Yeah, these are X-rated films, uh, there's nothing special, so it's good just to get them over with quick. All right. Advertising copy for the film's Madrid opening in April 86 says, A woman dominated by lust before a man dominated by a thousand complexes. Director on this, of course, you don't need to ask. Jess Franco, and here he's billed again as Lulu Laverne, because he just doesn't want to put his name on this for sure, so he'll just give himself a woman's name. Uh, writers Jess Franco as Lulu Laverne and Lena Romay as Lulu Laverne. Director of photography and camera operator Jess Franco, but he's another woman on this as Joan Almoral. 
music Daniel White as Pablo Vila. Of course, greatest hits, remakes of film, or uh, reuse of music. And uh, let's see, uncredited executive producer Fernando Vidal Campos and editors Jess and Lena. So Jess did the directing, the writing, director of photography, camera operator, and uh, the editor with Lena. So, all right. Cast, pretty short on this one. Lena Rome as Lulu Laverne, the exhibitionist. Jose Miguel Garcia Marfa as J.M. Garcia Marfa. Plays the peeper. Nice. <laughs> Mari Carmen G. Alonso as Rosiosi. Plays the lesbian friend. And finally, Jose Lamas, billed as himself, plays the male escort. All right, synopsis. A woman relaxes in her hotel room and becomes aware of a man spying on her from an adjacent building. At first disconcerted, she begins to play up the play up to the unseen spy, masturbating on her bed in full view of the window, inviting a female friend to have sex with her in full view of the peeper, and making out with a young street guy. All the while, the peeper jerks off while watching through binoculars. Wow, that's just that's it. All right, review. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It caught me off guard there. All the wild people jerks off. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, review. Released on DVD as a supplement to one of Spain's most popular magazines. Interview. That's cool. Uh, the initially curious but ultimately boring hardcore sex film begins promise, promise, promisingly with a strange mood. That's quite in keeping with Franco's more interesting work. Sadly, before long, it becomes just another run-of-the-mill porn flick. It's a shame because the first 20 minutes convey a genuinely discomforting atmosphere. And for a while, it's possible to believe that we're embarking on a genuine filmic experiment. That's cool. So 20 minutes of the 60 are really good. Kicking off with a jaunty lounge music and shots of the beach at Benidorm, we cut to an overhead shot of two women sunbathing at a hotel, echoing a similar shot in La Contessa Noir. We then see Alina Rome lounging on her bed, listening to tinny music on her Walkman. Jazz, of course. All right. And lazily peering at a porno magazine. She's in a seafront high-rise apartment building, and from her window we see a similar block about 50 meters away. The music fades down, natural sounds rise faintly from the plaza below, and Lena begins to masturbate. We then become aware, as she does, that she's being observed by a man in a darkened apartment across the way. Lena's expression, as she gazes toward the voyeur's window, hovers on the border between fear and anticipation. Her attitude, combined with the absence of music, puts us obs- obscurely on edge. So far, the style does indeed back up Franco's assertion, quoting an obsession, that the film had to say, disturbing atmosphere. The gap between the voyeur's point of view and Lena's room then collapses so that we gaze at her without the slightest sense of there being two windows and a hundred yards of space between observer and spectacle. Granted, this allows some astonishingly clear, brightly lit shots of Lena's vagina. Full marks to Franco, the cinematographer, because the clarity is breathtaking, more like modern high-end video than 35mm. But that's not the point. Creep me at the creepy atmosphere and minimalist artiness of the first twenty minutes are now ditched, and the film swiftly disintegrates into a standard gynecological ex- examination. By the time the weary old jazz theme from 1973's "Kiss Me Killer" puts an appearance, there's nothing left of the experiment, and we slide into a mixture of basic porno shots and laughably inappropriate music. 
structural basis for the story has been surrendered, with the camera's point of view wandering all over the place. The use of the zoom lens in a story explicitly about the voyeuristic gaze could have offered a chance to make a statement about the aesthetics of a device many regard as Franco's technical signature. All one needs only revisit Geminus de Placer to see Franco adhering to a technical limitation with breathtaking creative results. Here, however, he loses interest and lets the film dissipate into conventional porno. Four minutes in, after a couple of zoom shots from the point of view of an observing character, we are treated to a zoom representing Romay's gaze as she peers up towards the apartment that overlooks hers. Interestingly, the zoom is deployed to represent both the male observer and Lena returning his gaze. The first time we see the heroine's vagina is when she takes a douche. Wow. And it's resoutly unglamorous and unerotic. Mundanity is emphasized by Romay's tuneless singing as she performs the everyday activity. Well, a tight close-up shows us the soap-clouded water. But the, <laughs> wow. but the point of view is not of Romay's, and no matter how remarkable the voyeur's binoculars may be, there's no way this intimate shot represents his point of view. <laughs> I love this. It's so funny. I haven't watched this yet, by the way. Uh, the bathroom is windowless and the interior is completely hidden. The shot is from an omni omniscient perspective. How much better it would have been to see the peeper climb onto Romay's balcony, hide behind the door, peer into the bathroom, and thereby maintain the logic of the initial setup. The following scene in which Romay sits before a mirror and plays with her nipples is shot from inside the hotel room looking towards the window. Again, it's an angle that cannot represent either party. The camera zooms in to examine Romay's breasts, reverting to a traditional omnist perspective. At this point, we must abandon any theory that the camera is being used in accordance with a structured system of representation. To claim, as some have done, that it enacts some sort of coherent visual system is simply untenable. Imeron et l'exhibitionista is worth seeing for lovers of Lina Romay or long-term Franco addicts happy to catch the briefest glimmer of his minimalist art leanings, which is me. Anyone else would be well advised to concentrate on such movies as Jiminos de Placer, Mirosexos Tine el Nocho, Del Das Bildines de Doriana Gray, or Lorna the Exorcist, in which Franco delivers erotica with a sustained and genuinely creative artistic signature. All right, Spanish theatrical release. Clocking in in exactly an hour, according to official Spanish sources, El Miron Le Exhibitionas played in Madrid for two weeks. Wow. From April 28th, 1986, plus a week in August 86. Another in December 1987, and a final week in August 1989. It also enjoyed a fortnight run in Seville and Barcelona. Note that the version released on DVD runs three minutes shorter. Perhaps it was cut, although it's far more likely that the theatrical running time was inaccurately logged in official releases. Music. Franco drapes old-fashioned cocktail jazz cues everywhere. The Kiss Me Killer theme turns up three times. Loc wow. Locations. Uh, the Helios Hotel in Benidorm. And finally, connections. Uh, made back-to-back -back with Entrepidos under Heluego. Lamas is wearing the same trousers. A shot of a woman holding a riding crop, nude except for a fur coat, cuts to a poster of Lou Reed. 
one thinks of the Velvet Underground song Venus and Furs, and by extension, the Franco film with the same name. But there's no real connection and no frisson of genuine sadomasochism. So, all right, well, there's a short little one here. So, I'm thinking I might just watch this film myself and uh, have no um, co-reviewer on this because it's a short film. So, I might just knock this out and then uh, maybe have Kali come back on uh, the next episode, which... We're going to jump ahead after 138 for 139 and do uh, Esclavos de Criminen, which actually isn't a, uh X-rated film. So I might have somebody on do that and then have her back for Fallo Cresto, episode 141. So actually it'll be 140 because we're going to because um, originally I was going to do uh, Braguetta Historia, but come to find out that's not a Franco film, um, even though it's labeled his name on the credits or on the box, but it's not. So probably gonna skip that one so yeah so alrighty well there's me on this end so um let's see oh yeah let me give a little uh plug here uh if you want to get a hold of me and ask any questions or anything get a hold of me about the um lady hyde blu-rays or emmanuel and sin city blu-rays or if there's problems with the episode anything you want to get a hold of me for please feel free to at francoobserver at yahoo.com that's francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, we also have a uh, Facebook page and a uh, Instagram page, Franco Observer Podcast. You can go ahead and add us those. Um, please download the episodes uh, and subscribe, of course, and rate us. We're on all your favorite listening platforms. We're on so many. We're on, uh, let's see, we're on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and like many, many more than that. So I got to write down all the ones we're on. We're on like tons. So uh, tell a friend if you like the show, if you like the Desprovisions, any of that stuff. Please tell people my ad budget, advertising budget is zero. So any help you can give me to pass the word is always appreciated. If you like something, don't keep it to yourself. Tell everybody else. Because the people that make it, they really appreciate that. And I'm one of those people. So, yeah, like I said, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, add us there, get a hold of us, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, that should be good on that. So hang out past the break, and uh, you'll hear what I have to think about this film. Uh, one more time. El Miron, Le Exhibitionna, The Voyeur and the Exhibitionist. And uh, reading about it from Stephen Thrower made me giggle, so I'm looking forward to seeing how funny and crazy it is. And like I said, the first 20 minutes sounds like it might be pretty good. So, all right, we'll hang out past the break, and you'll hear my thoughts on that. Arrivederci. Buenas noches, maha. All right, we are back with episode 138, film 147, El Miron e la Exhibitionista. Spanish theatrical title of The Voyeur and the Exhibitionist. All right, well, this is, of course, the pornography period of Jess Franco's career. And to be totally honest with you, I'm not going to be reviewing every single film that he did during this career, even though, you know, if you followed this uh, podcast since episode one, 
we pretty much go through and do all the films that are available. Of course, there's a lot of lost films and films that weren't finished and other films. So that's why some of the numbers are off. Um, the book, um, of course, Flowers of Perversion, uh, Volume 2, and uh, first one, don't always, or I should say, they actually count those films that are lost or unfinished or unreleased as the number. So that's why the number is off, this being episode 138 and this being film 147, which is off by 9. Um, a few that I didn't really go through and do, like, uh, what was it, uh, Lulu's Pacifier. I skipped that one because I don't have it. And uh, Vengeance of the Rhinoceros Queen, I guess they count two, and that's unreleased. So, you know, how that is. But this film is interesting. Um, and I do agree with Stephen Thrower. The first, like, 15, 20 minutes are actually really good. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was digging it. Very little dialogue. Very small dialogue. Pretty much... When Lena's by herself and she's being watched, there's really no dialogue uh, until, like, uh, she has her friend come in the room with her, like, about 25 minutes into the film of a 54-minute film. The copy I got was actually a really good-looking print. I got the gray market copy from uh, Trash Palace. That's www.trashpalace.com. Um, DVD copy. And it's actually re really clean. Uh, I, that's one thing I will say like to do, always be positive, not always negative, trashing things, you know. Some, if you go through Letterboxd or some of those things, uh, people like to really trash things that really don't deserve to be trashed. Like, uh, for instance, I watched uh, Dear Argento's Dracula last night, and uh, I actually really liked it. Uh, it wasn't bad. Um, you know, CGI is bad and some other stuff. But, uh, yeah, uh, Rugger Howard is really good as Van Helsing. And there, there's some good stuff, really good female nudity. Of course, Asia gets nude and uh the lady that played dracula's uh one of his brides is really good looking might be like a hammer film uh but you know with the dare argento twist a lot of good gore and stuff so yeah i mean you know that's, that's an example of just people just want to trash stuff to trash stuff and you know people like my films people trash my films i really give two shits you know so but uh yeah so with this film stuff i liked was uh the cinematography was pretty good um like steven thor talked about you see, like, from her point of view, some of the shots, the zooms and that. And then you see from the uh, voyeur's point of view with the zooms, which is really good. But then there's other shots that doesn't make sense, like in the hotel room and stuff where the her it's not from her POV or the voyeur's POV. It's just a camera shot just to show, I guess, the viewer's point of view, which is odd. So, I don't know, it's when you establish two different POVs and then jump to a third non-relatable POV doesn't really make sense because you kind of break the um, the routine and the setup you have going as a filmmaker. So that's one thing that was kind of a little off-putting. But um, no, like I said, like first 20 minutes are really good. So, you know, the first third of it is really cool. And uh, it was nice to see um, some stuff outside the hotel because last few films, few films have been strictly in the hotel or... I mean, um, there's that outside shot with uh, Lulu's asshole, I think, when they're down by the pool and stuff like that, which is, you know, okay. And this one, he's down by the pool as well. What I thought was funny was um, Franco shot a lot of this from, like, a balcony for the hotel. And he was, like, shooting people hanging out by the swimming pool and swimming and, and sunbathing. And Lena talking to the lady. And you know that um, they're not advertised in the film, so they probably didn't get um, releases from them. 
And so there's probably just people that are just vacationing there that didn't know they were in the film that Franco just kind of shot for, you know, scenery and for uh, a little bit of production value, which uh, was nice, which was kind of cool. It broke up some things, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is strictly a porno. Um, there's uh, basically masturbation shots with Lena, and then Lena and one gal have a pretty lengthy uh, two-girl scene, and then Lena later on with uh, Jose Lamas has a standard sex scene. So there's, you know, like three sex scenes, and then, of course, the uh, Jose Marfa is a voyeur masturbating, you know, throughout the film couple times so you have the self masturbation type scene so um yeah so that's that's that on the sex stuff um like i said good clean print 54 minutes uh it opens up on the beach there's a nice beach scene where lena's walking on the sand and uh you see uh kind of like it's franco's up shooting somewhere i don't know if it's from the balcony or what or somewhere higher up but uh it's a nice nice scene it starts off with her walking on the beach and with people frolicking and such um then you have uh, her going to like the hotel or going to the uh, pool by the hotel and sunbathing, getting topless, laying next to a lady. And she has a conversation, and Franco zooms in on her. And, of course, you have a nice a lot of zooms in this. We'll hit the Franco list later, but a lot of zooms and then out of focus, which I was laughing at right off the bat. Um, and then you have the looking through the window on Lena as she's reading uh, – and listening to music, actually listening to music first, and you have a really nice window reflection shot where you see through the window on Lena, but then the reflection of the people outside off the glass, which was a nice shot, uh, kind of a mirror effect shot. Um, and in Lena's room, it was funny, she has a like a, a woman centerfold, a nude centerfold from uh, some adult magazine, I don't think it's Playboy, but and it's funny, Franco shoots that, shows the woman in the centerfold, and then pans down the centerfold to show her pubic area and her boobs and then back up again to where he takes a little bit of time showing this shot. Then he pans to another pinup on the wall of Lou Reed and then a pinup of the wall on Mick Jagger, which I was laughing, just trying to show her, uh, her place there. You know, I guess she's infatuated with Lou Reed and Mick Jagger and then this, uh, centerfold. And then also to another shot, you see another, uh, kind of a nude pinup of a woman that's on the wall. So it's interesting about that. Um, and you know how on the list I always talk about the pee scene. Um, instead of that, there's like this scene where Lena just douches for no reason. She squats over, uh, I don't know if it's a toilet or a, a sink, I mean a lower sink of some kind, but you just see her from the rear. Uh, in a, I mean, Thor talks about that in the beginning, which I talked about, I laughed, um, where she just kind of squats on this, sink full of water and, and cleans herself and then she turns around with her pubic vagina facing the camera and uh, kind of douches cleans herself there for some reason I guess she's doing it before her sex scene which now makes sense as I talk about it um, and then there's a scene where she's has a cigarette and she kind of masturbates rubs her boobs and then licks her boobs with her magic tongue so in that scene you have the masturbation with the sea item sort of cigarette even though she's not masturbating with a cigarette and the magic tongue scene together so I thought that was kind of cool we kind of layered the Franco list stuff together um, and then there's uh, of course mutual masturbation scenes with uh, Marfa as the voyeur and uh, Lena as the exhibitionist which is two things on the um, kinks list of course we'll get to that I keep jumping the list but you know how it is because there's not a lot to talk about on this 
Um, and then we have, uh, it's basically, like I was saying, there's very little dialogue on here. You almost have no dialogue until he's watching her and he keeps calling her a hooker for some reason. And you have her moaning and she knows that he's watching her. So she starts putting on a show for him and doing things. And then uh, we see other various people relaxing by the pool later, which I'll talk about that not paid. And uh, then the next scene, Lena comes up with a woman and she tells the woman, hey, this guy's been watching me. Like, and I'm going to put a show on for him and what's going on. So her and her friend, uh, both their friends wearing the uh, furry panties from, I think, Lulu or from, um, uh, what was it? Uh, from uh, Entre Pitos, Ana Huego, Between the Pricks, walks the game where she has the pink G-string with the kind of like black fur on the front of it. So uh, she's wearing those again, Lena's uh, in a G-string. And then they start having a really lengthy sex scene with the two of them while he's watching and masturbating the whole time. Um, and then uh, after that, they have their long scene. And then Lena has a sex scene with Jose Lamas and says, hey, man, you know, this guy's watching me. Just to let you know. And then they have their sex scene where basically they uh, give each other oral. And then uh, she climbs on top of him and rides him. And then she finishes him off by blowing him. And... Uh, so it was funny, that's the last sex scene in there, and the way the film ends is with uh, the voyeur masturbating on the glass uh, pane, glass window pane, and just like come on the fucking window, and then it says FIN, F-I-N, uh, deposit legal number M42606-85, so it was 1985, this was filmed, so that registers right. Um, and this was shooting date was October, so... 42606 must just be the number and then 85 was the year so um yeah not a lot to talk about on this this is going to be a shorter episode but you know if the film is only 54 minutes i think the frank observer podcast episode on it should be like half that time or so so i think we're going to come in right around that uh deal um oh yeah too also i mentioned the top half of this um i'm recording this on a different mic cable so uh, i'm going back through the old way of the mixer and uh, the mic, because it sucks. I ended up, long story short, had a mic cable. It kept having a scratching sound. So I got rid of it, went on Amazon, found a good one. Supposed to be worked. Seemed to be working fine. But then I had some people get a hold of me and tell me that uh, it's really garbled. And I went in and did a check. And when I listened through my sound bar, plugged into my computer, it sounded fine. But when I took out the sound bar, sound bar and listened through my one speaker on the computer... Uh, then it's, I could hear that effect. So that's uh, a weird thing. I don't know what what the hell that was. It might have been a uh, stereo recording, and then when it was processed through mono, it, it garbled it, and it mixed the two channels, I guess, or I don't know, something happened. So I just went back through and did the old-fashioned way how we used to do it and uh, checked it out for the last episode. I had to re-record the beginning for... Um, uh, Entre Pitos Under El Juego with Teresa because it was a good episode and I didn't want to have the first half of that mixed up. And I noticed some of my numbers have been down this month, about half. So I figured people were listening and ditching it without getting hold of me, which kind of bugged me a little bit. I wish uh, if you ever hear something that doesn't sound right or if it's totally garbage, get a hold of me and let me know because I'm always down to fix stuff. I'd rather have somebody let me know and I can go back and fix it. But in the meantime, the episodes from like... Um, Trip to Bangkok, those two films, Bangkok, Pumpkin with Death, and White Slave, 
and then part of Lulu's asshole, uh, 133, 134, 135, and 136. Those four are kind of half and half. Uh, some of those, I think the first half are good, second half's garbled. So sorry about that, but those are very weak films, and I'm probably not going to go back and re-record those. So, But, you know, you have the other 130-some-odd episodes that are fine, so no worries about that. All right, well, let's go through and knock out the Franco list. Uh, all right. Here comes the Franco list. All right. Uh, Franco list. Franco Observer Franco Observer podcast checklist. This is a reoccurring theme that we do on every episode, mostly. First few, I don't know if we did, but uh, go through and find reoccurring themes and uh, different stuff that pops up quite a bit. All right, number one, body of water. Yes, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have the beach scene, the uh, ocean right there in the beginning, and then we have the pool. We have uh, a pool that's featured twice, so there's three different scenes with bodies of water. Uh, number two, and of course, a, per, a lot of people are in there, and the body is made up of water, So, but I don't count that. Uh, number two, sailboat. Nope, no sailboats. There's no uh, dreams or anything like that in this. So, yeah, no sailboats, no representations of those. Number three, boats. Nope. We do have a beach, people on the beach, but we don't see a boat in sight. Uh, number four, palm trees. Yes, there's palm trees in the hotel uh, area, which you see uh, from the window. And uh, I was happy to see that. So nice palm trees. Number five, jungle sound effects. No, no jungle, no jungle sound effects. No animal sound effects, nothing like that. Uh, number six, chained up person. Uh, no, nobody's physically chained up, tied up, held against their will. Nothing like that. And I'm not talking about Will Robinson. That just held against their will. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage. Uh, no, uh, stripping scenes on stage. No, nothing like that. Nobody. Lena performs, of course, masturbating and stuff for her exhibit for her uh, voyeur. But uh, yeah, she doesn't. Uh, dance on a stage and strip she does strip for the person but i don't i don't count that uh number eight club scenes uh like any kind of a bar dancing in a bar scene people getting down anything like that nope nobody's no bar scene there's the only club scene would be the the pool area but that's not really a pool scene but that's the only scene where you have multiple people that are kind of just lounging doing their thing uh number nine jazz music yeah uh like steven thor mentioned um there's uh the scene from, or the music uh, from Kiss Me Killer on here. Uh, we yeah, Kiss Me Killer scene th- turns up three times, and there's a lot of cocktail jazz cues everywhere throughout the film. So yeah, plenty of jazz. I actually like the music in this. Uh, it's, of course, the uh, greatest hits type deal. Um, number 10, excessive zooms. Yes, sir. Lots of excessive zooms because you have the People watching both sides, so a lot of zooming in to Lena and then zooming to uh, Marfa, uh, the binoculars. Um, number 11, out-of-focus shots. Yeah, definitely right off the bat, we have uh, the out-of-focus shots with Lena uh, sunbathing with the lady and some out-of-focus shots during the sex scenes um, where he was zooming in and then getting focused and then pulling back. It was pretty funny. Instead of cutting it out, he just left it in. Uh, let's see, number 12, mirror shots. Yeah, you have the outside glass uh, reflecting outside of Lena's window. And then there's a mirror in Lena's room where she walks by. It's a quick one, um, but I would mostly count the reflective glass outside of Lena's bedroom. That creates that really cool visual, which uh, Franco used to use a lot in his earlier films, which I always dug. 
Number 13, mind control themes. No, nobody's under a mind control machine or hypnotized, uh, even though Lena's uh, as a mental thing where she's like putting on the show, but that don't count that. But yeah, nobody's under hypnosis or no diabolical Dr. Z type stuff. Uh, number 14, magic tongue scenes. Yes, Lena's magic tongue comes out. She licks her own nipples when she has the cigarette. She uses her tongue to eat the box of her friend. And uh, she doesn't really use her tongue with Jose Lamas, I don't think, But uh, besides blowing him. But yeah, no, no, no part on that. Just magic tongue with herself and the other woman for oral. Uh, 15, red light. No, no red lights physically seen in this film. Number 16, sheepskin rug. Nope, nothing like that. And here's the partial one. Uh, 16B, masturbation with a letter C item. Well, she does have the cigarette, and she masturbates herself by licking her nipple, so I'll count that as partial. And number 17, mad scientist and servant scene. No, no mad scientist or no servants. 18, fish tank shots. No fish tanks are apparent in this film. Number 19, talking parrot or talking animals. Nope. We had a string there where Franco was doing the talking parrots, but not in this one. Uh, 20, in credits, yes or no. Well, yeah, we said Finn, right at the end, I told you, um, after he jizzes on the window, and then you have the uh, F-I-N, and, of course, the deposit legal number. Uh, 21, handwritten notes. No, there's no handwritten signs, no funky, fake signs on any bars or, or buildings or anything like that. Uh, 22, um, spiral staircase. No, nothing like that in here. Or spiral staircase shot. Uh, 23, inept cops. Not a factor. No. 24, belly chains. No, no belly chains on this. Number 25, kinks. Well, we have um, voyeurism and exhibitionism, which, of course, is in the title. Those are your two right there, so I'll count those. Uh, number 26, great headboards. Well, there's a decent headboard in Lena's bedroom. She has this really cool wooden headboard, which has like like five or six slats of wood across, which is pretty nice. So I'll, I'll count that as a not a great headboard, but a good headboard. Uh, 27, fear or desire. I'd say desire. Uh Lena has a little bit of fear at first, but it turns into definitely desire to put on the show for the guy. And, of course, on his end, it's all desire. Uh, 28, uh, which this kind of reminded me a little bit of Body Double, too. I don't know if he was trying to do that deal or what, because the guy watching through the window, nobody gets killed or nothing, but I don't, I don't know, 85. I think that's around the time Body Double came out, so I don't know if there's his version of De Palma doing this film. I don't know. That's maybe another... Uh, discussion for another time, but with myself here and nobody to talk to besides my microphone and you at home. I don't know. Let me know what you think. If you think this is his riff on uh, Brian De Palma's body double. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. Uh, nobody playing acoustic guitar, although you hear jazz and stuff, but nobody you, you physically see playing a guitar. Uh, 29, reading a book scene. Yes, Lena reads a magazine in bed uh, before she catches the guy watching her. So yeah, she reads magazine. And finally, number 30, uh, is there a pee scene? Well, you have the douche in the sink scene, which is not peeing in a sink or peeing in a toilet, but it's kind of that way. So I'll give that a partial because you see your vagina above a sink or of a, a uh, container of water, you know, like a sink or a, a toilet, whatever it is. So I'll say a partial on that. So 
Yeah, well, let's see. Oh, hey, we're already about 20 minutes, so that's about a third of the movie. And uh, I did about 20 minutes on the top end or so, so that's 40 minutes, almost as long as the movie, about two-thirds. So there you go, man. you got a Franco Observer podcast that's almost as long as the film. Although I will say on some of my other podcasts with guests like Teresa and Collie and those throughout the times, sometimes the episodes are almost as long as the film. So I guess we're uh, hitting stride like we're supposed to be doing. So, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap up this end, but I'm going to tell you once again to uh, watch Lady Hyde on Tubi. Every time you watch it or click it on or even turn on and leave the room or do something, I still get a little bit of money from it. So if you want to help me out without giving me a donation or, 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 uh, do anything like that, you can always help me out by watching Lady Hyde. And also be on the lookout for Mondo's Sacramento Part 2, a film I did in 2013 that will be added to Tubi very shortly. Uh, they acquired it, and it got delivered to them, so now we're going to see when it picks up. So maybe May or June, maybe, I'm thinking. So we'll see where that is. But yeah, keep your eyes out, keep your eyes open, and your ears open for Lady uh, for Mondo Sacramento 2 on to be and also i have uh physically made the emmanuel in sin city blu-ray and possibly dvd and i will be selling those um through the site kunaki and also from myself i'll be self-distributing them so if you want to have more information on those how to buy those from me you can do that by getting a hold of me through the franco observer podcast site on instagram or the uh, Jason Rudy or Franco Observer page on Facebook or uh, through Desperate Visions at Yahoo.com. You can email me there and uh, I'll sell those through PayPal and ship those out to you. And I'll also be doing one um, very soon for Lady Hyde. So we'll have those two, new, two of my newest films on Blu-ray and possibly DVD too, I'm thinking, for sale. Uh, and then also uh, me, I'm in post-production on She Knows Ferratu, which is my modern-day vampire tale. And that will be out um, before the end of the year. And I'll be putting that on Blu-ray probably w- way quicker than I had with these last two films. So that's what's on my end of Desperate Visions Productions. And uh, I don't know. Let's see how we do. I've kind of been doing a little better here in life, so I might maybe pick up the camera again and uh, try to make another film before the end of 2023 because, I don't know, the way this world's going, uh, I think it might be time to put out another film because who knows how long we'll all be here. And hopefully this world doesn't go to war or whatever stuff starts happening. So, all right, let us all live in peace, goodwill toward man, and uh, let us all be good and pray for a better tomorrow. Amen. Uh, Adios. Buenas noches, maha. Buenas noches.